Hi, this is Gary Life Art, and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. To sit with those questions, again, if there's a particular part of your life where maybe you're feeling not quite in balance or you feel like you could be doing more or doing something differently, because it's not always about doing something more. Um, so you could focus on that or ask yourself those questions and then just see what comes up because we're so wise and sometimes we just don't really give ourselves the opportunity, you know, to source that wisdom from within and see maybe with just a small little change or prioritizing something differently, um, you know, it could, could make a, a big difference. Hi, this is Carrie Life Art and you are listening to Body is a Temple, podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome in Body is a Temple. I'm super excited to have another guest here in Puerto Escondido in person, Caitlin. And uh, we're going to talk about tapping. We're going to talk about also sustainable architecture and living. And we're going to also talk about supporting local communities. So I'm super excited because Caitlin is doing all of that in Puerto. We connected through entrepreneurs meeting and I have a chance now to uh, in invite her her for the interview and ask uh, all of those questions so first of all a little bit of your story I want to um, ask for the audience to know who you are how you end up in Puerto what's your story <laughs> and why did you choose this town actually how long do we have no <laughs> it's so funny because yesterday well first thanks for having me here and yesterday I was actually at a friend's house for a little post New Year's or I guess New Year's Day celebration And uh, a friend asked me that. And he was like, so, like, Caitlin, como cuéntame de tu vida. Like, tell me about your life. And I was like, wow, where do I start? Um, but uh, So I'm originally from Canada, but I grew up spending a lot of time here in Puerto Escondido because my dad moved here 35 years ago. So even though I grew up in Canada, I had a connection to Puerto from the time I was very young. And um, But I was very focused on sort of my career and my work, and I worked a lot in global health and global drug policy reform, and so was very kind of career-focused, and I would say living a very sort of work-hard, play-hard lifestyle, which caught up with me sort of at the end of my 20s, early 30s. I'd lived a lot of really amazing experiences, but also a lot of hard things as well, and needed a break and didn't really want to go back to Canada. It was I was living in Cambodia, actually, at the time, and it was November, and I just remember thinking, if I go back to Canada right now, I'm just going to be very depressed because it's the winter, and I just felt this strong pull to come to Puerto, and I came here in December. This would be December... I guess it was December 2010... And I was just planning on, I didn't really have a plan. I was just going to stay for the holiday season. And at some point during that time, um, I decided to spend a year. I was like, I'm just going to try a year. And some of my friends who'd come from Canada to spend the holidays with me, they were placing bets because none of them believed that I was going to last a year. They're like, what are you going to do in Puerto? It's too quiet. It's too small for you. And I'm still here <laughs> 12 years later. <laughs> so it clearly was where I needed to be. And during this work and traveling, what was those challenges? Like, what's, what's your experience that, like, you perceive as tough? And what was the nice experience of that? I think um, I grew up into a lot of kind of activism work from a young age. And I didn't necessarily always have the tools to take care of myself. And I also had experienced different traumas younger. And so my work and my like work identity was a way to also kind of protect me from my own pain and looking inward. And I think the combination of two, because I was working in some very intense environments sometimes and seeing a lot of pain and kind of experiencing secondary trauma as well. I did a lot of work advocating for young people who use drugs, um, who are living on the streets, you know, uh, who are sort of the 
victims, I guess, for lack of a better word, of, of really bad drug policies. And so trying to find more humane and more respectful and effective treatment or options for them. And so I just, I, I was living a lot of things and seeing a lot of things that were hard, plus my own life and story that I hadn't really dealt with. And so I think that that was kind of all coming to a head. Like I just was really unhealthy. I was drinking too much, using drugs, both recreational and pharmaceutical, um, not sleeping. I had intense anxiety, you know. So th those are the challenges. The beautiful parts were that I got to see and experience a lot of places in the world, go, you know, live and work in places that most people don't um, necessarily you know, I just, I lived a lot of life, and so I'm grateful for all of the experiences. Um, but yeah, I was definitely at a place where I knew that I needed to make a change, and I didn't really know, know exactly how, but I just felt this strong call that I could kind of meet myself in a different way and become a healthier person living in Puerto. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, so is this how you came across tapping for the first uh, time? Can you tell more about this? Sure. So yeah, so I first experienced tapping with within my own therapy, like me as a as a going to see a therapist. And it was something that my therapist would do with me to help um, shift different emotions that I was having to help with my anxiety and also to help, you know, in I was in a process of redefining my relationship to alcohol. And I always really had really great results from it. And then at the time, I was also working as a coach, as a holistic coach, and I started referring a lot of my clients to tapping. And so I would send them tapping videos, or I recorded a tapping video, but with my therapist tapping with me. Um, and then I realized that I was doing that so much, like I was, because it was such an important tool for me and my own healing. And then I also had found this other woman who actually met her at an event in Canada for entrepreneurial women, and she was... Uh, sharing about tapping and so I started and then I started following her and her work online and then about three and a half years ago she announced that online that she was going to be doing a beta program of a certification like a, the beta round of a certification program to train in tapping and so I signed up and then doing tapping every day and being in the program also training to do tapping helped bring it into my life in an even bigger way and for a while I made it a part of my daily practice and then I was teaching in her program you know I continued developing my skills in it and taught in her program and now I lead tapping programs in both English and Spanish so it's become just a, yeah definitely kind of an ever-present and growing part of my my life and my toolkit <laughs> awesome uh, so let's um talk about what tapping is for people who hear this for the first time could you explain this yeah so tapping is kind of the easy way the short way of describing or referring to something that is called the um, emotional freedom techniques so it was developed in the 70s um by some doctors who were interested in developing tools for reducing primarily stress and anxiety, but also working with people around their trauma. And knowing that acupuncture, you know, that like borrowing from, from those traditions of, and seeing the results in how acupuncture has worked also to help um, shift energies and calm anxieties and recalibrate things within our system, these doctors sort of combined talk therapy, positive psychology, the principles of acupuncture, and a few other things. So that's why it's called, you know, the freedom techniques, because it's actually drawing from a variety of different practices where we tap lightly. You can't see me doing it right now, but basically tapping lightly on different parts of the body and which are acupressure points while also saying different statements. And so there's a component of verbalizing the emotional experience that we normally wouldn't give our per ourselves permission to share maybe or that we would try to kind of disavow or ignore or distract from and so giving it a place and allowing ourselves to say the thing that we're feeling also to describe how it feels in our body um, it, you know just very much in a basic way you know naming it 
but while also tapping on these certain points, which then help calm the central nervous system. So whereas when talking about something that is painful or traumatic can actually cause stress in the body, which is why we don't like to do it sometimes because it, it doesn't feel good. And in a way we can almost re-traumatize ourselves. And so when we're tapping and calming the central nervous system and, and giving ourselves this sort of profound self-soothing, then it allows us to approach these topics that are painful or uncomfortable in a different way, in a way that feels safer. And then from there, we can then go on shifting and releasing and, and letting go and actually allowing this emotional experience to move through our bodies. Um, and then we can move into identifying, well, what do I want to feel instead, which to me is a really powerful part of it also. Mm-hmm. Are there like different types of tapping uh, I've been experienced this like a trial session at the event with you but I, I believe this is just like a kind of like a, a part of this like can you like elaborate on this a little bit more I've been also like um, practicing a couple of years even before but I never like dive to this like what are kind of like different ways of using this method or like maybe different techniques if there are any yeah so a big part of most tapping practices is called venting. So venting is a little bit of what I just described where you kind of get inside the experience and just let yourself say all the things that you wouldn't normally say out, out loud, you know? So naming the experience, talking about it, and just it, it literally is what it sounds like, venting. So just allowing yourself to unload without judgment and always kind of ending with like, I love and accept myself no matter what. But for example, you know, like let's say I'm feeling really anxious and I don't know why, you know, Um, you could tap on that. And like, I don't like it, like it's making me feel stuck. So I could say like, even though I'm feeling really anxious right now and I don't even understand why, I love and accept myself no matter what. Like I really, I really hate this feeling. It doesn't feel good for me. I wish I wasn't so anxious, but it's okay. I love and accept myself no matter what. And then you'll start tapping on the different points. So that's the setup statement. And then you start tapping on different points, like all this anxiety. I feel it in my body. I feel it mostly in my chest. My chest feels really tight. Um, I'm having a hard time breathing. You know, I, I feel so frustrated because I thought I was past this, you know, but it's still coming up for me. So, you know, again, you just kind of naming and saying all the things that are going on for you while you're tapping on these different acupressure points. And it's amazing because even after just that first round, you start to feel calmer and maybe you start to feel less blocked or a bit more clarity or you start to see your way through it. And then what you can do is is what I call invitation, invitation statements or invitation affirmations where you start to say, I wonder what it might feel like if I wasn't so anxious. You know, I wonder what, I have clients, for example, who like can't breathe because they're having such so much of an experience of anxiety. You know, I wonder what it might feel like to be able to breathe a little bit more deeply. You know, I wonder what could be possible for me if I didn't have so much anxiety in my life. And so what's really powerful about these invitations is that sometimes, and I think this is a challenge sometimes that comes with like affirmations or manifestation or just this idea of positive thinking, we sort of think that we can force ourselves from one state to another just by thinking it, you know, just by, and, and, it's often not possible and actually when we're in our survival brain which is where we usually are when we're feeling stressed out or threatened or upset or afraid we actually can't access evolved thinking we can't access creativity or problem solving or hope or anything like that so we're actually cut off from the part of our brain that helps us think of solutions so tapping is like baby steps to move from one part of our brain to the other but without forcing it because forcing it can also feel stressful so we don't want to try to force ourselves or say things that don't feel authentic or real so then we can start to kind of invite what I might want what it might maybe what might be possible you know and then we go little by little towards what that possibility looks and feels like yeah um from my experience like even though just like stopping and allowing myself just to kind of like notice you know things instead of reacting that was also a big like a game changer when i just like stop and okay i feel this i feel that and 
just allowing myself to like notice that instead of just like going into this fight and flight mode and um yeah so i feel like it's kind of like combination to just being human and like accepting and as you said like the accepting part i think is a big deal to saying uh, i love my uh, and accept myself no matter what for many people because we are putting so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect you know we want to um yeah we want to be liked by everybody which is not possible while we need to like ourselves first um is that happening method uh scientifically researched or proven i always like to ask about people who are like listening to this and they're a little bit skeptical what is this like a puncture thing and some kind of woo thing do you have any scientific knowledge about that? So, yeah, so a lot of the studies are, you know, you can kind of look at them both ways because, and with a skeptic's mind, because um, most of the studies are based on self-reported results, right? So there's always a bit of a bias there. Um, so they're based on what people describe as their ben- as the benefits from tapping, which, you know, include a lot of the things I've been talking about. Um, But there are a few studies that they've started doing because people have been experiencing so many results that measure things like blood pressure, heart rate, um, cortisol, you know, and there's and so there's new studies that are coming out that show that tapping does have a positive effect on, you know, because obviously when we're feeling anxious or stressed or angry or a lot of a lot of the intense emotional experiences, you know, our heart rate increases, we um, we produce adrenaline or cortisol you know again that's the fight or flight response happening in our bodies and so there are some studies now that show that that tapping on these acupressure points while saying these statements helps reduce our heart rate helps lower blood pressure helps reduce cortisol so that we're not like over firing you know which is the anxiety response and so it you know it, it is a, a powerful tool that is now I think being accepted scientifically and more in you know I'm doing air quotes right now like more traditional therapeutic practices or psychology um, is you know looking to tapping now because it's understood that yes it would be and you can't do it wrong you know like the thing is is like it can it it, it can cut you can't harm yourself by tapping you know and so um, I think that that's something and it's always available to you like anywhere you go you always have your fingertips basically (laughs) and that's all you really need in order to do tapping and actually you know it's been used for people who've experienced you know um like physical challenges so you can actually tap on other people like you know after surgeries or people that are in recovery from different like physical um experiences that may might prohibit them from tapping on their own bodies other people can tap on your body for you you can also do that with children you know obviously always with the other person's consent um but it's pretty cool that way too and who is like saying the person who's tapping or the person who's receiving tapping the statements um it can go both ways like i think that that you saying the statements yourself will always increase the benefit but sometimes with children um like like one way to do it with children and also when i've done um inner child work with people as well um we can sort of speak for our child or support for this so even though i can see that you are really feeling this way you know or i can see that you're angry you know um and so you validate their experience that way by saying Mm -hmm. what you're seeing and noticing are they like you said you can't harm harm yourself that are there any other possible side effects of that (laughs) (laughs) um like negative side effects or yeah not that I know of okay no (laughs) not that I know of do you do do you use it daily do you have any like a morning or evening routine with tapping how does this look in your life for me I don't use it daily anymore although I've gone through periods of my life where I have used it daily and I do when I'm leading a 21 days of tapping program for example we do tap daily Monday to Friday um, and I love it. I love it because it also helps me have that intentionality and, and bring it back into my daily practice. Um, certainly when I've been going through really hard times, when I, you know, a breakup or feeling really sad about something or feeling stuck, 
uh, feeling afraid, you know, I'll use it as part of my morning practice. And usually I'll base it off of, I ask myself two or three questions, which is, how am I feeling right now? How would I like to be feeling instead? And what do I need in order to be feeling more of what I want to be feeling or less of what I don't want to be feeling? And I'll often, not always, but sometimes tap around what comes up when I'm asking myself those questions. At night, I use it more for if I'm feeling really wound up, like if I'm overstimulated, if I'm feeling anxious. I have my anxiety is so much lower than it used to be. Um, but it does happen sometimes that I feel anxious at night or I'm just like turning things over and over in my head, you know, or I can't sleep. So or if I wake up in the middle of the night, so I'll use tapping in that way to help me um, calm myself or just kind of like release, let go of whatever, whatever sort of mind trap I'm stuck in. Um, so that's that's more how I how I use it now. And I also do use it a lot for expansion, you know, for we, we talk about kind of like creating the body to be this next version of ourselves or sort of tapping into our future self. Um, and so inviting in a reality or an experience that I'm looking forward to, but feeling it and experiencing it and tapping on it as if it's already happening. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, <laughs> what is something that you are currently working on in your life to want to, like, improve or, like, um, yeah, just change? Yeah, so a big one for me has been, so, that, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about it, I think, in a bit, but this project that I'm working on, which is a, a development, so I'm moving out of the work that feels very familiar for me and has for a long time into a real estate development, into um, a building project, into needing to acquire a lot of financing. And there's been a lot of stretching for me in that, both kind of letting go of like my identity, my work identity, who I thought I was, how I showed up, how I related to people, um, money goals, like new money stories, um, tapping into being a person who... Um, can can manage and oversee, you know, multiple projects, staff, and again, in a new field for me, you know, like I'm overseeing architects and designers and, you know, it's like it's a whole new world. And so, and it's a big vision and it's a vision that requires, you know, over a million dollars of financing. And so for me, even getting used to the idea of like, I'm somebody that can totally like receive a million dollars and more because I'm totally open to, to more as well and like noticing the difference of like when I first said that it would almost make me feel a little bit like sick to my stomach you know like ugh, like I didn't believe it really yet you know and then over the past year of like really inviting in that goal and that vision for me and now it just feels like normal I don't know exactly when it's going to happen but it's for sure happening you know <laughs> and I feel like tapping has really helped me with that um, tapping has also helped me unless that last year at the beginning of last year I went through a very pain painful breakup that looking back on it I really believe happened to basically take me back to my original wounding like it it happened in a way that was so confronting and so painful um, and it brought up like my kind of deepest yeah stories and beliefs that I didn't really realize that I still had about myself um you know just to be really specific like a story that I had that I was always I was never good enough for somebody to stay and I was always going to be replaced um and tapping helped me a lot through that um and through coming through that experience with so much more love for myself and having completely now real like let go of that like that's not true for me anymore you know and I realized that it was something that I kept repeating because deep down that's what I thought you know that's what I thought was always going to happen and, and it did <laughs> and now I know that it's not going to happen anymore obviously there were other things that I did like I did a lot of work on myself through this past year but I would say that tapping was a consistent through that as well yeah, thank you for sharing. I think this is very important. And this is also why I started podcast because I've been listening to this kind of stories of people who seems very successful and you also seem very successful for me. You're doing this development project. You have your charity organization. You're a, a tapping coach. You're like super famous here in Puerto. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, you know, and we are very successful because we're doing this shadow work, because we are uh, challenging ourselves to face this limiting beliefs and those stories, and this is what helps us. So uh, I believe that might help many people to hear that we're all going through that, and because we're doing the work, because we're using tools like tapping to kind of like break through this um, circle. And do you have any other tools like, yes, that you use when you are going for some challenges and tapping or yes, yeah, some routines or whatever helps you support, you know, some your best practices like to get yourself out of this, you know, dark side of the soul to the, to the light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And thank you for, for saying all of that um, and reflecting it back to me. I think in addition to tapping, so journaling has, is a big one for me. Um, journaling, yeah, on like how am I feeling, giving myself permission to feel exactly what it is that I'm feeling. Um, also, writing out my fears, like when it's like, well, what is the worst that could happen? And actually allowing myself to just go there and write down all the things. Like, what am I really afraid of? What's really going on? Um, and then on the other side of it, one thing that I find really helps me a lot, too, is when I'm doubting myself or feeling insecure um, is to write out my, like, I'm awesome list and just start going through, like, all the things that I have lived and experienced and um, overcome and healed and just giving myself because I have... a a habit, you know, and it's something I learned from a young age also of sort of lurk, looking externally for that validation. So really learning and making it a practice to give it to myself, you know, so that I'm not needing anybody else to recognize me or validate me or, or give me love or give me acceptance or tell me that I'm doing a good job, you know, that I can source that from myself. Um, I think there's a lot we're very fortunate here in puerto that there's a lot of of healing opportunities available to us so some of the ones that i have really leaned on in the past year especially have been doing like tamascal ceremonies like shadow work in tamascal there's a woman who does it here laura i don't know if you know her but her ceremonies are amazing um and i always am releasing and also like yeah, there's just a powerful experience being in those. Um, I've done different plant medicine and ceremonial work around that. I love just spending time in nature. I think that that's really important and disconnecting. So also allowing myself to go to places where there's no cell phone service or turning off my phone and just being in the, like hiking to the hot springs or going to a waterfall or being just some like incredibly beautiful place and then also in the company often of you know other women especially you know just being able to allow myself to be vulnerable to be seen to share um yeah time in nature is really has been really important to me then also finding joy too so dancing dancing for me is a huge a huge part of my life when I stopped drinking for a while and then, you know, really changed my relationship to alcohol in a big way. Um, I found salsa dancing, or I actually kind of knew, you know, about it, obviously, but um, it just became important to me in a different way. And it's an environment where I just love it because I can just be really in my body. I can also let, let myself be led, which is was a whole other journey for me, <laughs> like trusting and releasing and handing over control. Um, and yeah, being in my body and not, not in my brain. Um, so that's been, you know, and, and there's so much dancing here in Puerto too. So that's, you know, that's something that's really important to me. Um, yeah, I'd say those are, the, those are the top ones that come to mind. <laughs> yeah, um, I know you're also a mom, so I need to ask these questions for other moms listening to this and hearing that you're doing all these kind of things. Like, how do you create time for that? How do you create balance? How do you, like, organize yourself to, yeah, do all of that? <laughs> so something that became so important to me um, 
when I became a mom and I would really, really notice the difference on the days that I didn't do it versus when I did was making sure that I got up early to have time for myself in the mornings before my daughter woke up. And sometimes that meant getting up at four or five in the morning, depending on her sleep schedule. And it was hard because I remember there were times where her sleep schedule would change for whatever reason. She'd be waking up at six or five thirty. But I just would you know adjust my schedule so that I could get up earlier and do some like this just sitting sometimes or just sitting and meditating or then sitting meditating and journey journaling or or sitting and tapping but and sometimes it would only be 10 minutes or 15 minutes but um and sometimes longer but that was something that became super super important to me and I really noticed like I she's a bit older now so I also have a bit more space like she doesn't require so much care and attention all of the time but it's still something that's really important to me Um, downtime um, I used to be I'm still (laughs) I used to be busy I'm still very busy (laughs) but I do find those times you know to just disconnect or not do anything Um, Or again, yeah, to go to those places, to be surrounded by nature where I'm not responding to messages or I'm not being reactive, you know, where I'm just able to kind of like relax and and go in. Um, Asking for help has been a big, a a journey for me and something that's really, really important. Saying when I need help, saying when I'm struggling, um, being able to be honest about it. a big word for me um, over the past couple of years is discernment. So what does discernment mean? I used to say yes to everything, you know, and discernment for me really means like taking my time, saying I'll get back to you. I'm not sure. Let me check. Let me think about this. Let me meditate on it or whatever, you know, <laughs> and like um, really being aware of where and with whom my energy is being directed and if it's the best yes for me in that moment Um, because there's so many amazing things to do all the time and um, and there's so much that you know I want to do but really you know and that's where I think those quiet moments too are so important of really being able to give myself the opportunity to go in and be like is this the best thing for me right now you know, is this what I really need to be doing? Or another big one, can I delegate this to someone else or can somebody else, maybe somebody else can do this better, you know, and it's flattering, again, getting out of that, like, you know, it's flattering or validating to be the person that's asked to do things sometimes, but is it necessary? Do I need to be the one doing things? And that was a big thing that happened also with, with Helping Hands, with the, um, the community organization that I, I helped found a couple of years ago, was that I, you know, if, I'm an I'm a natural needer, not needer. I'm a I'm a natural leader and a natural kind of um, giver as well. I like it, but also recognizing like when other people can be the ones doing that, you know, and that it doesn't always need to be me. And maybe it won't get done exactly how I I would do it, and that's okay too. <laughs> mm, beautiful, thank you. Yes, so I wanted to ask about the the helping hands. How did it all started? Like, what was your idea with this, and what what do you do actually? So, helping hands started almost three years ago now, in March of 2020. So it was the beginning of the pandemic, and I had a friend who called me, and he was like, "Hey, can you come and pick me up? I just got laid off from my job." Um, and they gave us like a each person that works uh, here, like he was a waiter at a restaurant. And they gave us a big bag of just whatever food was gonna go bad in the restaurant and 500 pesos. And they got laid off. And I went to pick him up and I saw the like shock, you know, like, and we were all at that time, like everybody was like, nobody knew what was going on. You know, it was when people were being like, told to go back to their countries when everything was kind of shutting down you know like everything in Puerto was shutting down at the time and so it was a you know it was a confusing time it was a scary time um and then so many people were getting laid off and I saw the shock in my friend like I I and I and he's like you know I don't have savings like 
most people here are part of the informal economy. They get paid either on a day-to-day -day basis or on a weekly basis with no social security. And yeah, to see him like standing there with his sort of garbage bag of food that he'd been given and like 500 pesos and no no information or guarantee of when he would be able to go back to work. And I, it just hit me and I thought to myself, wow, like there's so many people who are going to be in the same situation. And so I actually put a few messages in different Facebook groups, um, like Facebook groups of people living in Puerto or from Puerto and saying like, what do we like what do we do you know does anybody have any ideas and of that from those posts like there was probably a group of about 10 of us that ended up being in a chat together and we realized that people are going to need food and so we actually this group of us actually ended up starting three food banks so there was one in La Punta which then evolved into Helping Hands there was one in Rinconada and there was one in the, in the Centro and so basically what we started doing was getting donations and providing food to everybody basically who had been laid off or didn't have, you know, who was struggling in the early pandemic. Um, uh, because for those of you that don't know Puerto, Puerto Puerto's a, a, a town that's very um, dependent on the tourist industry. So no tourists here and people weren't allowed to open their businesses, you know, it cut off um, the, so many people from their, um, the only economy that, that they had available to them so we started as a food bank and then also you know we were really really busy in the beginning and then what happened was Puerto did open up again people went back to work but then when the delta wave hit here there was a lot of people that got really really sick also you know had to shut down their businesses sometimes because people were so sick couldn't go to work or they had to isolate or their family, you know, just struggling with medical bills. And so we were, again, really super busy because a lot of times people were saying to us, like, I'm having to choose between, you know, medication and food sort of thing. So we were also helping people sometimes with their bills, with, you know, like, like nebulizers, like, you know, we just were hustling to sort of help in whatever way we could. Um, and then... It evolved into, yeah, I mean, everybody, we had this really great group of volunteers. We had people who were really supportive and people who have a connection to Puerto but maybe weren't here during the time. So they, you know, were sending financial support. And so then we were just really trying to see how we could always continue to be most effective. And then um, when the hurricane came, there was a hurricane here that hit, thankfully, didn't really hit us in Puerto, but it devastated communities just down the highway from us. And so then we were able to spring into action and not only provide food and clothing and all the things that we'd been providing already, but we fundraised and provided a lot of temporary shelter for people. We helped rebuild roofs. We put, you know, just, um, you know, again, sort of helping in whatever way we could to meet a need that wasn't. And we were we were on the ground with other community-based organizations way before the government did anything. Like, I remember we were, like, doing it for weeks, and I think it was, like, towards almost a month when I saw the government trucks and the military trucks kind of rolling out into some of the communities that we'd been to, and they started, you know, delivering supplies and support. But we'd already, you know, from the day after, basically, the hurricane, two days after the hurricane, we were already, already uh, giving support. So, so yeah, so we're almost three years now, and it's really cool, too, because we have a lot of local volunteers. We have a lot of people who want to volunteer who are here for short term or long term, um, but who come from other places, and it feels really good, too, to be participating in the community in a way that's really also, I feel like, very responsive to what the actual needs are and not just thinking we know what's needed, you know, we're very connected to the community and kind of responding and adapting to and shifting with with what the community needs are. Thank you, yes, I feel like that's the future for the whole world to kind of like organize ourselves instead of like depending of the external help from wherever government or other institutions. So I would like to ask you like if there's someone listening to this and thinking like, oh, I really want to do something like for my local community, but I don't know how to start, how to organize myself. Do you have 
like a number one tip about like how to basically start doing something? I think that's such a good question. And I think one of the things that's really important for me to mention is that we partnered with a local organization right from the very start. So they're called Sembrando Buenas Semillas, which means sowing good seeds or like planting good seeds. And they already had an established history of doing work in the community. And so we always we look to them a lot for their connections, for their expertise, for what's really needed, for what people really want. And or we're in our own sort of process around asking those questions as well. I think the number one thing is to not assume that you know best and to also look to see what's already happened or already had been have been tried. And sometimes that takes it means that it's going to take a little bit longer. But it's something that I've seen over and over and over again, not just in Puerto, but I've lived internationally for almost, you know, almost my entire adult life. And um, and I've also been involved in de development work, which hasn't always approached things in the right way. So, it, you know, and I think one of the mistakes we can make is sometimes thinking we know best or thinking that our idea is so good so we really really want to do it and we want it to be our idea and our project and we don't look to see well maybe this has already been tried and maybe it didn't really work or maybe it's a great idea but there's a different way to do it than what we were assuming was the best way to do it um, and so sometimes that means it's going to take longer um, but I think in the long term it means that it's going to be a lot more relevant and a lot more accessible or just actually meeting a need rather than what we think is the need or what we think is the best solution. And so I would say, you know, if you're not already connected, get connected with local organizations, ask people within the sort of area or field of work or, or service that you're interested in providing, like has this already been done? What worked, what didn't work? What do you think? Like just asking questions, always asking a lot of questions and if possible, partnering with local organizations because I also feel like oftentimes local people, most of the time actually, will know better. And sometimes it's simply a lack of resources or sometimes some infrastructure or some things where we can kind of provide added support but not assuming that we know how to do it better. Mm -hmm. Before I'm going to ask you about your development project, I want to ask who inspires you? Who are your mentors or gurus or like some role models or even coaches, like someone who influenced your life? Um, wow, that's such a good question. I don't really have any gurus. <laughs> I mean, I think like regular people are often the best teachers and that's who like I've just I have I love community-based work for that reason you know I love I love I love human connection I love people I learn from people every day I feel like um so in that way I feel like I'm always I'm always learning um along the way I guess especially when I was working more online or doing more coaching people who who yes who who are not only interested in like who are who I think for me it's very important to have to not how do I frame this like to to be involved in something that's greater than ourselves so people who inspire me most are people who are also not only doing their own thing which is amazing but somehow trying to make the world a more equitable and just place um whether that's you know through human rights work or you know um healing work um but it you know whatever it is trying to make this a better world for all of us and because I see now you know well I've seen it for a long time but I think it's speeding up in some ways like this sort of division and also the gap between resources and who has access to them and who doesn't and and so people that are trying to make the world more equitable are people that inspire me whether again what that has to do with 
social justice or environment or whatever it is, you know, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a good now turning point to talk about your sustainable development project, which is also a dream of mine. And when I was like kind of like um, moving two years ago here to Central America, I was wanting to kind of also research about that. But I like feel like super shy because I feel like there's so much to learn about that. But I've been seeing beautiful places here and beautiful technologies and, and beautiful like visions of like, yes, we can live sustainability. We can have recycle our water. We can do it. We have all the resource, resources and knowledge about that. So yes, please go ahead and say more about this. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I do think we're living in a, such an interesting time around that as well, that there are so many technologies available to us and so much of a more consciousness around, around what sustainability even is and why it's important for our planet. And so I, yeah, I had this vision probably about four or five years ago of creating a space that was like a beautiful space and that felt very healing to be in, but that was also a sustainable sort of environmentally protective place. And so I was really fortunate to be able to buy some land in a small place, small town called Portecito, which is about 30 minutes south from here. Um, and then through beautiful serendipitous moments and synchronicities, just connect with people who understood and it was also important to them, um, including my, my architect and, and his firm, Quantia, um, who are, you know, they're like young people who just, who also like want to make things beautiful, but make things environmentally responsible and protective. Like I keep that word is really important to me right now, you know. Um, so we're creating a, a space that will be or is already, you know, a place where we can feel inspired, where we can feel creative, where we can go for healing, where we can go to work also, that's very connected with nature. And that also, you know, uses some of the things that you mentioned, like recycling all of our water, using solar cells, obviously, like biodigesters, septic is a huge problem here. So anytime we can sort of reduce the impact um, that <laughs> you're basically being humans <laughs> invading a place has, um, is I think really important and there are so many solutions and you know using more sustainable building materials and things like that as well so I feel lucky to you know even though it's a time where I feel like we're facing a crisis in terms of our climate and in terms of the impact that human has humans have on the planet I also really hope that there is this groundswell of shifting consciousness, which more and more people are realizing how we've been doing things isn't sustainable and start prioritizing developments that are more sustainable. And I mean, it, it's ha it has to happen. So I just keep believing that it's going to mm -hmm. because otherwise I feel like it's sort of scary and depressing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I believe in the same and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm trying to surround myself with people who believe also the same because the more people are going to believe in it, the more we're going to be making it happen. Mm -hmm. So agree on that. Um, what does it mean for you to live holistically healthy life? Mm. So many good questions. So, yeah, I mean, you asked a while ago, too, about bringing balance into my life. And I think... For me, that's what it means to be holistic or holistically healthy is to really see ourselves and the planet. You know, it's like our our individual health and our community health and our global health and the environmental health is also connected. Right. And it's never just one thing. So living holistically for me is always sort of seeing, well, what are the different parts of myself that I need to nurture, you know, and sometimes some part of me takes priority over another part of me but making sure that I'm taking care of my you know my physical health my emotional health my spiritual health my mental health and again community health environmental health like to me they're all so important and so yes having that that holistic view is means that it's it's inclusionary 
Um, for me, it's inclusionary, it's a systems approach, like ecosystems approach, both for, again, who we are as individuals to who we are as a community and who we are on the planet. Um, it's seeing all the different pieces and how they fit together. And if one is out of balance, you know, seeing how we can bring it back into balance or if one is lacking for whatever reason, again, looking at like holistic community health and seeing how we can, you know, try to bring that more into balance as well. Yeah, balance is the key word. Mm -hmm. If you could advise to people who listen to this something that they can start doing just right after finishing um, to listening to the podcast, some small thing that they can implement into their life right away uh, that will change their health, their life, their emotions, like improve something in their life, what would it be and why? Well, I'd like to go back to, I think, the sort of questions that I said earlier that I like to ask myself and I think they're just very powerful questions that sometimes we don't like we don't give ourselves the space or time but you know how am I really feeling how am I really feeling right now and then you can get more specific like how am I really feeling right now about my work or how am I really feeling in my relationship or how am I really feeling about how I'm showing up you know for myself and my community and then and then asking yourself well, how would I like to be feeling, you know, because I think there always is, is room for growth or healing or improvement. Um, and then what do I need in order to feel more of how I want to be feeling? And I think, so I think giving yourself the space, maybe after what, or listening to this podcast and just to sit with those questions. Again, if there's a particular part of your life where maybe you're feeling not quite in balance or you feel like you could be doing more or doing something differently, it's not always about doing something more um, so you could focus on that or ask yourself those questions and then just see what comes up because we're so wise and sometimes we just don't really give ourselves the opportunity you know to source that wisdom from within and see maybe with just a small little change or prioritizing something differently um, you know it could could make a, a big difference yeah, thank you for reminding about this one. And I definitely going to write down all those questions and put in the show notes. And from my personal experience, this is also so something that I've been doing. I was using um, at that time by Byron Katie. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with her questions, but I when when I was like going through some hard times, I was like literally journal about that. Is it true what mm -hmm. I'm feeling and how would uh, I would like to feel? And it was a big game changer for me to kind of transform and transmute so many of the limiting beliefs and bad emotions. So uh, definitely I can uh, say that I recommend for people who never do that to try it. Uh, even for three days, one week, and just see the magic happen because it will. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so the last question will be where can people find um, how they can connect with you and maybe we can go like one by one starting from tapping if they will be interested in tapping or if they listen to this and they, they are in Puerto Escondido or they want to help to the helping hands and then maybe at the beginning if they are in at the end maybe if they are uh, interested to support you in your development project where can they find about that well I think the best way if you're on Instagram is to find me on Instagram because actually my personal page which is where I post a lot of my tapping stuff links to all the other pages <laughs> so you can find me at um, they call me Catalina on Instagram and from there it links to the Helping Hands Puerto Escondido Instagram it also links to new Puertecito and new Rinconada which are my two um, development projects and like co-working one is a co-working space and one is the development that we're doing um, if you're not on Instagram we have our website for new is newcommunity.com and um, also you can find Helping Hands on Facebook I mean it's really I feel like it's very so social media heavy but <laughs> that's kind of where where we share most of our stuff yeah yes thank you do you have any final words no, but thank you so yeah. much. This is really <laughs> lovely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes.